After a 24-hour stopover in Manila, we boarded an Air France plane for a flight to Vietnam. It was an eerie feeling flying over the Vietnamese countryside and realising enemy troops might be hidden in the thick forest. When the plane circled Tan Sur New Airport for landing, it was late afternoon. There seemed to be every sort of plane imaginable on the strip. Along one side of the airfield were concrete bays for fighters, and boxes and stores ran literally for miles. After waiting some time in the dull, dirty concrete terminal, a bus pulled up and a warrant officer told us to get on it. A large, unsmiling Negro in an Air Force uniform sat behind the wheel, bored and disinterested. All the windows of the grey-brown bus were covered with thick wire mesh, so a grenade could not be lobbed inside. No one missed the significance of this. When we got to the Australian Transit Hotel, the board warrant officer told us to put our gear in a room and be ready to go to the Australian base at Benoit at eight in the morning. That was it. No war, no weapons being fired, no one seemed to care in the least. Next morning it was raining, and the trip by truck to Benoit was slow. There were more people in that 50-kilometre ride than I had ever seen in my life. The paddies were full of water with shoots of rice just starting to show in places. In other fields there were men wearing conical hats, with their trousers rolled up above their knees, ploughing little blocks of water with dejected-looking water buffaloes, pulling old wooden single-furrow ploughs. Many of the farmers wore sheets of plastic wrapped round their shoulders in lieu of raincoats. Near Benoit City we turned off the road and headed for the airfield where the Australian base was situated. Along this road were dozens of small shantytown bars. They were constructed of all kinds of building material, many of them covered in sheets of coke tin foil with the labels visible to the world. Whoever sold the foil on the black market did a marvellous advertising job for Coca-Cola. The truck passed through the gate and went across to the Australian lines. It was a bleak, depressing sight. There was not a tree in the whole area, just buildings that seemed to have been put up haphazardly. The Australian lines were tense with the kitchens made of prefabricated aluminium and flywire. I was posted to D Company and taken down to the lines. After two weeks in the battalion, I was sent to Saigon for guard duty at the transit hotel where we had stayed the first night. Part of the duties of the guard was to send soldiers out to the Australian transmitter, situated on the main Saigon airfield. Across the open field from the transmitter was a shanty town full of the unwanted and unloved. Grass shacks teemed with the poor and destitute, and the noise of crying, wailing, laughing, shouting and drumming from the area continued all through the night. By 2am I was deathly afraid of the place. What the hell was happening there? I was extremely relieved when the next shift came to relieve us. That wasn't the finish of it, however. On another occasion I found myself inadvertently going into a refugee area in downtown Saigon as I tried to take a shortcut between two main roads. The conditions were appalling. I turned a corner in the narrow lane and confronted the most pathetic sight I have ever seen. A woman sat on a small piece of rotting board, her buttocks just clearing the mud that was everywhere. She was dressed in rags and was nursing an emaciated infant clad only in a filthy singlet. He was almost bald, and on one side of his head was a huge weeping sore. He was crying, but all he could manage was a pitiful whining whimper, as if that was all his strength would allow him. The woman was slowly and aimlessly waving her hand across his head to keep the swarming flies away. As I came toward her, she put out her hand to me and spoke in a voice stripped of emotion. I looked in horror and tried to brush past her. 
She grabbed at my pants as I went by, and the sound that came from her was more like the cry of an animal than a human being. I yanked my leg away from her feeble grip and hurried up the lane, not daring to look back at the pitiful sight of this human flotsam, abandoned and hopeless. I needed air, but every time I breathed in, the filthy, putrid air choked me. I hurried to the end of the lane where a group of South Vietnamese soldiers sat eating and playing cards. They looked at me as I came stumbling toward them and continued talking. I looked at them uncomprehendingly. Here was the army of the people we were supposed to be helping, and they were sitting there as if they were on a picnic. Their weapons were scattered all over the place, and there was no way they could have retrieved them had they needed them in a hurry. They seemed oblivious to the plight of their own people only several metres away. Later I went down to Tudor Street, in the central area of Saigon, where there were hundreds of bars and areas of filth and depravity.